You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 64. In this episode, I'm speaking to Stacey Tuschel about how to build a virtual team so you can get more done. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Stacey Tussel, who is a business coach, author, podcaster, and the creator of Seize Building Her Empire. Before she started her online coaching business, she had already built a seven-figure business running a local dance studio. Stacy shares with us how she builds a team around her in both her businesses so she can focus on what she's best at and brings her business forward. You'll find links to Stacy and show notes of this episode by going to sigrun.com forward slash 64. I'm so excited to be here with Stacey Tuschel uh, that I met when I joined James Wetmore in a circle mastermind. And I was very impressed how Stacey was building up her online business super fast by quickly hiring a team. So I asked her to be my guest speaker at a mastermind day in San Diego earlier this year. So any case, Stacey, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here, Sigranam. This is going to this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So, you came uh you were so kind to be my guest speaker at this mastermind day and it was a very small group with my clients and they were absolutely blown away how you were building a team around building up your online business. So that I was like, yes, there's lots of topics we can talk about. <laughs> uh, but that one is such a big topic for especially I would say those who are getting close to six figures or above six figures, how to build a team. So can you maybe go back because I know this is your second business. Can you talk a little bit about your first business? Yes, definitely. So my first business, a little bit different, definitely not an online business. I started back when I was 18, right out of high school, teaching dance in my parents' backyard. Turned that into a seven-figure business um, in the last 15 years. So things have been going really well, but the only reason they have gone really well is because I've been building my team along the way Mm -hmm. and making sure to really put systems in place, adding team members before I move on and, and add more to that business development side. Yeah. So at some point you you decided you want to go online. What made you want to do that? So I knew I wanted to come online just because I want like I'm so used to serving people five miles, you know, from a specific radius from my business right now. So while I'm watching this online space, I'm thinking, okay, if business is going well for me in this little area with five miles, what can I do online? What can I do when I can reach people across the United States? now across people around the world, which is just so incredible. So I think it was really appealing to me to be able to build a business from my home, not have to go into a specific location or have to really live by a specific location. I think all of that was just so, sounds so appealing to me. And did you immediately have an idea what that business was going to look like? 
Yeah, so as I was building my brick and mortar business, it was a lot of people all of a sudden started saying, hey, can I take you out for lunch? Can I take you out to coffee? Can I pick your brain? How did you build this backyard business into what is now two locations um, that we both own, both commercial properties? We have over a thousand students that come to us every week, 40 employees. So people were going, how are you doing this? Can I, you know, can you share a little bit more? And as I started to share, it started to get more and more common. And I realized, okay, I think I could probably start doing this and turn this into a business where I'm teaching people what I just did these last 15 years. Yeah. And we are all very curious how you have built a team that literally you, you say, you know, how much time do you actually spend on your, your first business? Oh, not, not much, which is, I know it sounds so crazy, but when you've, I mean, I have been working my butt off since I was 18 years old as a solo entrepreneur, putting these into place, you know, making all those sacrifices so that I could be in this position right now. So right now I have to meet with one person that is our general manager. I meet with her weekly. We go over just anything that popped up throughout the week that I need to get involved in or things that they've just never experienced before. I also meet with our marketing manager. So I have two meetings a week that I go into. And then other than that, it's just you know, it's it's not like clocking in, clocking out. It's just, you know, going for a walk and you can't turn it off and you're thinking about, okay, we could do this or we could do that. But it's not, I mean, I work zero hours in the business itself. Um, wow. So even though we have two brick and mortar locations, I don't work inside of them. That's very impressive. <laughs> so when you went online, you obviously had this advantage over many other who are starting an online business that you knew how to build a team and how to kind of, let's say, not waste hours, uh, you know, outsource pretty fast. So tell, tell us how you get started. Who did you hire first? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what's funny is I came out into this online space knowing I needed to hire somebody. I was once told if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. And as soon as I heard that, I was, I, I knew everybody needs at least one employee that they're working with. You need somebody on your team. So I immediately knew I needed to hire somebody. And my first big hire was somebody that was in like social media. They could help me manage my social media, help me repurpose a lot of it. So I don't have to be all over the place, posting graphics on Facebook, like little tedious things that I don't need to be specifically doing. So that's actually my first hire. And then we hired somebody to really just kind of be my right hand man where doing some bigger tasks, things that literally were coming off of my plate that they could help me with. Um, Some of the tech stuff that is just gets so confusing sometimes where you're going, this is not my zone of genius. So you had basically a a personal assistant and then more like a a technical assistant. And when you're starting out and you think like, okay, can I afford to hire these people? How did that come up for you? So I think a lot of times we get so nervous to spend the money first. People always say, I can't wait to hire you. As soon as I start making money, I'm going to hire you. Yeah. That's not usually how it works. Usually you spend first and then you see the return, okay? So in a perfect world, yes, you can make money first and then start spending. That's not usually how most of us do it. So I had to invest in somebody on my team when I wasn't even getting paid. There wasn't money for me to really be budgeting for this, but I kept thinking, if she can take these things off my plate, I can work on the bigger stuff and then I can generate more income and pay for that position. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a mindset shift of knowing 
It's gonna be a temporary sacrifice. It's gonna be a temporary, just like really feeling tight on the budget for a little bit, but it will come back to me if I'm working smart. Mm. And how fast did your online business start to have revenue? Yeah, that's a good question. So my online business is still not even two years old yet. So we're doing really well for being a little under two years. I would say the first six months, it was just a lot of figuring things out. What I want to teach? What do they want to teach for me? Before I truly felt like I was getting consistent revenue. Mm -hmm. I did have a couple things going on here and there where um, I actually launched a little bit differently. I came out in the online space and I immediately had an affiliate Set, a partnership set up. So I had a product. I went to somebody who had a list and I said, do you want to advertise this to your people? We'll get 50% each. So my first launch was on Black Friday, almost two years ago, and I brought in 11,000. And I was ecstatic. Like I couldn't believe my first you know, product did that. The problem was it wasn't consistent. I didn't go and set that up again or try to do another one of those webinars. I just thought like it magically, magically was gonna start happening and it didn't. <laughs> so I think that was a great way for me to get jump started and bring in some money. Even though I say that I was already investing in a lot of courses and that's how I knew how to set up that product and set up that business was I immediately invested in online courses, masterminds, live events, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you already had these two people and now you have a much bigger team. So who, who is on your team today? Yeah. So I think when you hire people in the beginning, I always hire people and tell them, you're getting hired for this position. Here's what it will include. However, it won't look like this in the future because we're growing. So mm -hmm. some of the things might come off your plate. We may add some things on. We may completely switch your position. We're gonna figure out your zone of genius and then put you there. So some of those people are still with me and we kind of reposition them. Some of those people are not still with me because sometimes they don't see the vision and it's hard for them to keep up with the company that they once applied for, right? So now I have, um, I have one um, person who's really my right hand man. She works about 30 hours a week. She can do a lot of the higher, like high tech, get things done, right? So she is, she's somebody that I work very closely with. We also have um, three full timers, virtual assistants. One does social media. One does um, a lot of like graphics, design. She actually has my podcast editing. So she's a little bit of a, um, kind of jack of all trades in that area. And then we have somebody that just does all of the tech, you know, the email stuff, the landing pages, anything technical that you can see there. Um, so that's really what my team looks like. And of course we have out people we outsource to, like a copywriter, Facebook ads, stuff like that. Yeah, so you have three virtual assistants plus your right-hand woman, man, woman, yeah? And people say, wow, how, how, do you, how can you afford that and how does that all work? Like, are these people local in your area or are they kind of in another country where the rates are maybe lower? Yep, so my first person who my right, it's my right-hand man, her name is Claire. She is somebody that is local in the United States, not local to me. We live in completely different or states across the country. Um, so she is somebody that I really am invested in. We really see the vision together as uh, what, where the company is going. Um, my, my three full-time VAs are from the Philippines. So that does, and I, and here's the thing too, they're all working or hired for full-time. That doesn't mean they have full-time work. So that makes it a little bit different, but I can still see the value of having them on full-time Meaning if I have something I need done today, 
I know that I have somebody who is going to just drop everything to get my stuff done because they're getting paid for it. So I think sometimes people look at that and say, well, I could never hire them full time. I don't have 40 hours worth of stuff to do. I don't either right now, but I'm still able to make it make sense and make the price make sense. Oh, that sounds super smart. So yeah, you can go online and, and uh, uh, you know, hiring someone from the Philippines, you know, can you give us some ideas of the rates? You don't have to say exactly what you're paying, but just an idea for our listeners. Yeah, so if you were to hire somebody full-time to come work for you, anywhere from 500 to maybe 800 a month for somebody full-time every single week. That's pretty wow. incredible. That's yeah. pretty incredible, yeah. Yeah. And, and how do you find the people like, okay, besides probably the, the ones you're having in the Philippines, you probably go through a website or you go through the virtual staff finder? Yeah, um, we didn't go through virtual staff finder. I did use that service one time though. And then other than that, we just use other online websites like onlinejobs.ph, places like that, that will help you find somebody there as well. And what is your criteria for hiring the people? Because that's a big one to make sure you don't have to kind of uh, fire them quickly again. Yeah, yes, yes. So I am a very slow hirer. There are lots of steps that they have to go through. As I'm putting out the application, there are almost little homework assignments in the application that they don't realize are homework, but I'm watching what they're doing each step. So when I say, you know, please send us a two minute video, maximum two minutes about something, you know, that I want them to do, whether it's Three reasons they thought this was a great job for them and why they are so excited to work for this company. So first, just having them do something like a video and you make it a little tougher than normal, you will immediately get less resumes, which is actually what you want. They're self, you know, they're, they're looking at this application and they're actually kind of like weeding themselves out as they're going through the process. So it's a lot less for me to do, which is great. And it brings a higher level of a candidate, which is what I've noticed. So that's kind of how we started. Now, one of the things that I do is when I find somebody that I really like, I actually ha I give each of those three people that I'm still kind of interviewing a task, a very simple task. Um, wouldn't be a paid task. It would just be something I want them to quickly show me. Maybe it's a Facebook graphic or something that they can show me if that's like the space that they're heading into. Mm -hmm. When they do that, I then pick. And when I pick, I only hire them for a two week probation. So it's strictly two weeks. I give them as much work as I can. I hire them for the entire 40 weeks, two weeks in a row, pay them at the end, whether or not I liked any of the stuff that they did, because I'm you know, committing into a contract. And then after those two weeks, I decide, is there enough potential here to train them and have them continue moving forward? And that's when I decide to move forward with them. So besides giving them those test tasks, like, I really like the video idea. That's a great idea. I'm going to steal that right away. Yes. <laughs> uh, and the second one is to give them those test tasks in the two weeks. But besides from that, is there anything kind of you look for in terms of their, not just skill set, but let's say their, um, any kind of other criteria that you look for? You know, I, it's really not as important to me because even when I look at their portfolio, even if it's not something I love, I, you have to understand that sometimes the portfolio of a graphic designer, they aren't picking those, those designs. Somebody is telling them what it, to make it look like, how to do it, how to do this. So even if I don't love your portfolio, if you can take direction from me and I have a good eye to tell you what to do, what to add, I mean, even the graphic designer that we have on our team right now, if I showed you her portfolio before my, me hiring her and I showed you it now of what she's doing, 
it is night and day. So I think a lot of us, we think that when we hire somebody, it's all about what they bring to the table. I look at it and say, how can I train her to do what I'm looking for? Will she help, you know, head that direction? Does she take constructive criticism? Um, that's a big deal. I want to see that when I tell you to do something, you can fix it and you get it closer to what I'm looking for. So that really helps a lot. Yeah. And you don't really know that until they have worked on this two week period with you. Yeah, because I will have, you know, I might have three graphic designers do a, a simple logo for me or maybe a Facebook post, something like that. I'll pick my favorite out of those three and then I hire them for the two weeks to see if they can tweak some things. Yeah. So now you have these all these virtual assistants. What do you actually do yourself? Because people always wonder what can you outsource and what can't you outsource? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So my days are usually filled with content creation, um, jumping on Facebook Live, um, group coaching calls. I have a few private calls that I do. Um, engaging in my paid groups. So that's a big thing for me. If you're one of my paying clients, I am all about your business. I'm very invested, but that's where my focus is. Nobody can jump on a podcast for me. Nobody can jump on Facebook Live. Nobody should be coaching in my business, or at least not yet, because that's not our structure. So mm -hmm. those are the things that I do. Other than that, I delegate everything. I just keep going. If something comes into me and I'm like, ooh, this is great. I'm going to send this to Noelle. I'm going to send this to, and I just keep put, like passing things around. They come back to me. I approve it. I resend it back out if there's tweaks and we just keep going from there. Well, a lot of people think that's so much work. Like it's quicker to do it yourself. What is your no. mantra there? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's not. I mean, and it's still a struggle for me sometimes when I know I can very easily go into ClickFunnels, clone something, change a title. Like I can do that. It's not a big deal. But at the same time, Why focus on that? Even just logging in, finding that funnel. When I can quickly, I use an app called Voxer. I can quickly, you know, talk to somebody in 30 seconds and say, hey, could you go in in this funnel and do this, this, and this? And it's just off my plate and it magically appears in my inbox that it's done. And I am working on something else that nobody else can be doing during that time. That feels good. That feels good. Yes. And yeah. So you come to another thing. How do you communicate? You say Voxer, so audio. Do you use any other tools as well? Yeah, so we actually use Trello and then we use Voxer. And the nice thing about Trello is if they send me back a graphic or something that I wanted for a Facebook ad, it's so much easier for me personally to tell them, like just audio say what I want versus me typing, move this over to the right, move that to the left, when I can just quickly say, I love the graphic, And you can hear my tone, right? Because what if they think I'm constantly critiquing like, oh, she's never happy. Now I can say, oh, I love this, you guys. This is beautiful. If there's any way you could just make the one title go over here or flip this around, that'd be perfect. So I might box that to them and then it magically appears back in Trello that it's done. And we have a system inside of Trello of how we get those things checked off our to-do list. What have you found to be the biggest difference between hiring people face-to-face -face versus virtual, because now you have experiences from both. Yeah. You know, there's not too much difference, except for the fact that you can see somebody pull up in their car and you know what kind of car they drive or what they're wearing or how, like just even, just things in person that you wouldn't normally see over um, the video. Like you don't get to see besides this little wall right here. Whereas I get to walk through, show her things, things like that. 
But honestly, it's pretty similar. If you're nervous about switching from in-person to online, it's not that much different at all. Not when you can see face-to-face in video. So how do you communicate with your team like on a regular basis, like during the week? Do you have weekly meetings? Yeah, we do a weekly meeting every Monday morning with Zoom where we can see each other face-to-face. Yeah. Yeah. And then for the rest of the week, they communicate over Trello. Voxer or Trello. Yeah, Trello yeah. and Voxer. Yeah. yeah. And I would say I really am the one that boxes to them and they usually commute. They'll say, okay, got it. And then it is in Trello. So they keep everything nice and neat inside of there. And it's really for me to kind of go through, or if they have a question and they're really confused, they'll box me that question. Mm. So what do you say with someone who's like, oh, should I start to hire someone? What is, you said the first thing is to kind of not be your own assistant. What about, uh, you know, having someone to clean your house or, or any other task, you know, in terms of also when you go into a launch, uh, someone prepare for food. Do, do you do some of that? Yeah. So I think that is something too, to be thinking about if you're going, the house is a disaster and I'm constantly taking time to clean it versus working then yeah, it might absolutely be worth it for you to hire somebody to come and clean and do that. Here's where people don't get this. If your house is a disaster and you're not cleaning it and you really are working on your business and you hire somebody to come in, it doesn't make you more money. It just gives you a clean house, right? So be careful that your first investment isn't something that you you wanna replace something you're already doing. So if you are cleaning your house every day and spending too much time cleaning it, replace that. If you're not even cleaning it and you hire somebody, you need to work just as hard, if not harder, to pay for that investment. You're not going to see that return, but you're going to have a beautiful house. So be thinking about that. I do, um, when I head into a launch, I'm actually in a launch right now. Oh my goodness, I outsource everything I can think of, including meal prep, just getting like my fridge stocked. I don't have to think about what meals I'm eating because what happens in a launch is you're so busy you forget to eat. And then you get sick and you're exhausted and it's just not a good combination. So there are definitely things like that where I am, um, my my groceries were were delivered this morning to my door. I don't even go to the grocery store. I mean, I am outsourcing everything you can possibly think of. Now, one thing I'll tell you when you go to hire that first person, especially if you've never hired before, I think people just, you know, they hire somebody and they think their life is just going to magically get so much better. What you don't realize is there is so much to do when you hire somebody. And in fact, it will slow you down for a little bit while you're training them. So we Mm. forget that. So I always tell people, picture if you were going on a vacation next week, what would you be doing this week? You would be like working like a crazy person, getting everything done. So next week you don't have to work. That is what you do when you hire. You get everything done this week. So next week you can focus on her and training her so that she feels confident and has the tools to really take things off your plate. Most people, they don't do that. They, they have to do all their stuff plus train. Then they poorly train people and then they fire them because the person didn't know what she was doing. When really we weren't training them at a, at a state, a level we were, we should have been doing it at. Yeah. So how, give us an idea how much time you spend on training a new person. Oh my goodness. So you guys, so much time, like so much time. So here's the thing. I, you have to put systems in place. If you don't have systems yet, you're creating the system while you're training them. If you have systems in place, it's not as hard the second time around as it is the first time around. So let's say you're deciding to hire a social media person. You'll want to actually walk through the process of what you're expecting and get it documented. So maybe you're going to say, 
I want three posts on social media every single day on Facebook. I want you to post an Instagram story. I want you to do this. So as you're telling them what to do, you're showing them how to do it and then you want to document it. As soon as it's documented, great. Now she can do it without you. But you have to inspect what you expect and people forget to do that. They just tell them to go do it and then a week later you're going, oh my goodness, she's posting things that I would never ever post. You've gotta be careful. So you wanna follow up. Uh, sometimes in the beginning, I'll even say, send me all of these posts inside of Dropbox or Trello. I wanna see them first, give feedback before you ever post. And that will make you feel more confident that she's heading in the right direction. Yeah, I guess we can agree on probably it's it's where it goes sour in most cases is when the training is not proper. So in the end, we are fault if we make the wrong hire. Yes, yeah, completely. <laughs> and you know, we're, we're both in James Wedmore's mastermind. And one of the things that he said that I love, I never heard this before, he said, if a flower doesn't bloom, it's not the flower's fault, it's the environment. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my goodness, you're exactly right. So every time I look at, uh, you know, uh, an employee, I now say, okay, what am I doing wrong that she's not getting it? Now I will tell you, James did not say this, but sometimes that flower is a weed and you need to pull it out and get rid of them because not everybody is meant to stay. But for the most part, if you can train them, you will find some beautiful flowers for sure. Well, that's a a wonderful ending of a great discussion, Stacey. So where do people find you online and continue this discussion with you and listen to your podcast too? Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast, my, my website, everything Facebook group is She's Building Her Empire. So really easy to find me there. The best place to chat with me is definitely my Facebook group, She's Building Her Empire. Um, but yeah, I would love to talk more, chat more about with this with you guys. If you need anything, just come find me in Facebook or my podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show, Stacey. I really appreciate it and looking forward to see you soon again in New York next time. Yes, really soon. Thank you so much for having me. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 64. There you'll also find links to Stacey and the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give this show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.